Yo, what up, what up? This Elder Sensei, one half of the Artifacts Jersey, stand up. You are now checking out the Mega Late Show. Let's go, y'all. Peace, Jersey. Elder Sensei, one. Hey, yo, peace. Mega Late Show. Uh, I am Mega. This is episode number 113. And I wanted to get, come in and give you guys a little intro about who we're with today and also give you guys some information about, uh, you know, their upcoming projects. So uh, I'm the guy, Mega, and we're here with... DJ Tag. And... Somyaku. Work. Two DJs out here who are doing wonderful things. Definitely go check out Somyaku on the episode that we had with uh, the Breakdown Crew, which is his crew. Uh, came out a while ago. I'll put the link in the bio. And also uh, DJ Tag. Uh, make sure to check him out in our DJ Premiere vs. RZA uh, versus Battle Breakdown. Uh, also, maybe... Nah, I won't put that shit in the bio, but check it out. So uh, now I would like you guys to listen to them tell you about their newest endeavor. Busted. All right, so Kaz, I'm going to hit the World Living Room Radio, and then you hit him with the uh, return of the breakdown once uh, COVID-19 ends. All right, cool. All right, so right now, uh, World Living Room Radio, an amazing uh, thing happening, uh, a collective of DJs from around the world. Literally every continent except Antarctica has a DJ broadcasting live throughout the week on this uh, WLRR stream. Check it out, Instagram, at uh, World Living Room Radio. From there, you can get all the links to uh, tune in and catch our live sets on Mixcloud.com myself with the show every Wednesday evening here in Tokyo and Kaz on Fridays. More details to come later in the podcast. That's uh, while we're in coronavirus and we'll continue to be on that. But once coronavirus clears, we'll be back live and I'll leave Kaz with those details. All right. So um, we run the party in Shibuya called the Breakdown for like 12 years until last October, uh, six months after. And this April, we were going to have another one after six months of blank. However, because of the COVID, we couldn't actually do that. But um, anytime whenever we can actually do that, um, everything is already prepared. So we're going to be back on live. Um, perhaps you can catch the, uh, the information on we have actually the, the IG account called The Breakdown, all mine is called Somyaku, S-O-M-Y-A-K-U. There you can have the information about The Breakdown when it comes. We'll definitely put the link in the bio for that as well. Um, yeah, so our, our recordings, you know, we just recorded for like three hours or whatever. We get into a lot of uh, what Rory was doing uh, growing up and coming in hip-hop culture, and we also have some conversations about pop music and underground hip-hop and shit. I don't remember what else we talked about. Shout out to <laughs> but We also, like the second part of the podcast, we each shared like our, uh, what we consider a perfect beat from the year 2000, what we consider a perfect verse from the year 2000, mm. and then just some random music shares. Uh, Rory even shares one of his uh, his new house tracks that he's uh, been working on. It's a, it's a new endeavor for him, making house music and those albums. That, that music will probably come out towards the end of the year, maybe fall. So yeah, listen to this whole fucking thing and, and be be nice to people and happy Father's Day and shit. Check it out. Let's go. Ikimasho. Yep. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're going into the podcast right now. So boom. Did we start with dick jokes? I forget. Uh, we're doing that a lot. You guys hear that, right? That, that just happened right there? Right. Sometimes it might drop out like that. I'm having a problem with the uh, the audio driver. But fuck it. Like, okay. let's just go into the hip hop type right. of conversations. Let's start it. Oh, wait. I, what, what episode is this, guys? Do you guys know? Did you guys listen to the last episode? I don't know. No. 113. Wow. I think it's 113, actually. Oh, I'm glad to share this this moment, this milestone one, one, with two of my three. good friends. Yeah. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, Mega late show. Yeah. One one thirteen. If you do the uh, the numerology and the supreme mathematics, you'll find out that this is a very significant number uh-huh. for all of us. In in correlation to the today's date <laughs> as well, you know what I mean. And as I said, that it's three 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 right now. So do do the knowledge, right? Oh, but anyway, one yeah. plus one plus three equals five. And I love giving high fives to That's all right. of my friends. So it's you know full. That's circle. right. And, and and top five lists are the fifth element of hip hop, mm. right? Okay, but uh, Mega Late Show, Tokyo Hip Hop and Creative Culture. I am the guy Mega, and. Yeah, I mean, we, we do this all the time, bi-weekly episodes. We release one on Friday, part two on Tuesday, and we talk about hip-hop culture and all the cool things and dope things that are happening here in Tokyo and abroad. You know, it's hip-hop mostly, but we've had, like, fucking professional Japanese wrestlers on here. Nice. We've had all types of people on here. Um, I'm sure there's other people, but I'm not thinking too much about them right now. I got two of the homies in, in the studio, and, and what I was doing recently is recording like a little intro before the episode just like going right, right into the episode mm-hmm. but today i think i'm just gonna go back to the old style let's and, do it and right. just let you guys introduce yourselves my guest host today oh me okay. yeah <laughs> um hi i'm cuz um people know me as a, either somiaku or uh dave clark the third as a dj from the united Crates crew um what else should I... I don't uh, know. I, uh, can I ask you, like, uh, when I first met you, you know, you were your DC3, right? Right, yeah. W- when did Somyaku come in? Is that new? Is that like a new, like um, a second level? Like yeah. an evolution? Yeah, it's just like because I do several different things and um, the Somyaku is a, the official name for the one thing. So I just decided to have a one name for everything. Okay. Right. I but, with that. Um, yeah, the one I started DJing with those crews, you know, like the... um. I don't know, a year ago, like when I was here with Adam and Chase, right. um, the crew of United Crates crew, it just like to avoid from any confusion, I just kept my name as a DC3. Okay. Mm. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Word. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, you guys will recall that episode with the breakdown crew. Yeah, Some that, changes to that mm-hmm. now. It's like you guys are uh, yeah. without a country, so to speak. <laughs> like you guys don't have a home. For the events, I nobody does right now, right. considering yeah. the coronavirus. But I'm looking forward to seeing you guys emerge again. Yeah, it was going to happen after like six months um, when we finished on October last year, and we were going to do that uh, in when was it? April? April, right? Mm. Mid April. Oh, okay. And then we, we kind of had to, you know, because um, of the coronavirus. Fucking so virus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I was excited for it, man, because. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, I met both of you guys at, at the breakdown, at Coins Bar, the breakdown. And I've, mm. I've met so many people and forged so many important relationships to me uh, at that place. And it was kind of just like a, a constant, mm. uh, a, like a, a constant here in Tokyo. It's like, if there ain't shit to do, right. oh, well, I mean, everybody will congregate in Shibuya mm. at the Coins Bar and listen to some hip hop music. So you guys need to figure that out. Like, just <laughs> cancel yeah. the coronavirus shit and just get it started again. <laughs> How we do. I hope we do figure it out. Yeah, I don't the good thing is like those it. bars and restaurants and clubs are like reopened from yesterday. So oh, really? Yeah, it's um, basically the government allowed them to, you know, to reopen on like a full scale from 19th. I mean, yesterday. So, yeah, let's see. Okay. Mm. Oh, so we got freed on uh, Juneteenth. That's what's up. <laughs> Shout out to the Japanese government. They stand uh, in solidarity, apparently. Right? Yeah, apparently in solidarity. That's wonderful. 
but yo, you um, you're also you know you didn't mention. Well, I think you did mention that you're a DJ, but you are one of my favorite DJs out here. And uh, so thank it's you. good to have you back on the podcast. Yo, thank you, man. Was was that episode we recorded uh, with everybody last year? Yeah, that was okay. like a fifty something, I guess. Wow, it was okay. it was really packed. Like we we cannot do it like that like today because right. it was like me, Adam, Chase, you, late, late. So five of us. I think there was another person in here for a minute too. The homie <laughs> Keen might have came through for a couple minutes. <laughs> Shout out to that. Yeah. yeah. But today but we have only three people in the room, so I'm, yeah, I'm it's socially, socially distant. Yeah. I, I'm 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 actually trying to uh, to keep it like that, like the episode right. I recorded last week, just me and the homie, hmm. and I'm not reaching out to any strangers. Like right. I know you guys, I I I imagine you guys are being responsible out there and not hmm. in Kabuki Cho and shit. You know what I mean? So right. I've kind of just been keeping it to to the close homies and people that I think are hmm. adult enough to. I appreciate that you, you know imagine I mean? that about me. Word. And I will not tell you anything different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, no hate on Kabuki Cho. Uh, I actually <laughs> uh, support them in all their endeavors. Uh, what goes on in Kabuki Cho, guys? I'm not really sure. I hear that there's like uh, Ikai was there and Juku's for children. Absolutely. For real? Purely wholesome place. Wholesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> people say people say that this area is pretty wholesome too. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like when you as you walk up, you see all these places. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. hotels. Right. Yeah. You know. No, mm-hmm. no place I better mean, to go get love. So could you use, get a nice bath. You know. The world could use some love right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Word. But uh, man. Uh, I've got, you know, I I always tell him this and um, I'm not being facetious or anything or over exaggerating, but but uh, we've got DJ Tag here today and I'm going to try to always remember to just use a superhero name because I always (laughs) fuck up and and, and not use the superhero names and shit sometimes. But uh, we've got DJ Tag here and I told him I realized this after the last time I saw you perform and I forget where it was at. Maybe a beat the best or some shit. Okay, uh, but it was a it was a show we were to get like physically right. together. So mm-hmm. this must have been beginning of the year and the last year. Right. And I was like, I, I started realizing I was like, yo, DJ Tag's one of my favorite DJs out here. I think he just pushed out Shiori Bradshaw for my top five <laughs> DJs out here. Yeah, I like it, man. You're one of my favorite DJs. Thanks. Love to Shiori Bradshaw too, but oh yeah, you. she she's I'm, a homie. I'm honored. I, I also haven't seen her in a long time, so. But but yeah, man, you're you're one of my favorite DJs out here. Um, I don't remember where it was that we met. Me neither. But I'm when. sure it was it was coins yeah. or it was related to coins. That's so. what I was thinking too, because it, it was like um, I would I used to drink a lot. Everybody knows that and shit. And so I would meet people, and then like the next time I see them, they're like, "Yo, Mega, what the fuck is up, man? That, you know what I mean? Something happened." Right. I remember when something happened with you, and I'm like, "Yo, something that happened." That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. and then so like I just, crazy. you know, and right? and when I met when I when I uh, the the first time I recall really talking to you was at Coins Bar, but I felt as though we had already met before that. I'm sure we had, but I just pretended right. like like I knew, mm-hmm. and I did not. But but that was like I I feel like we started finally talking and hanging out and communicating more. Maybe last year, beginning right, maybe about right. a year from now, since, right? It's been since I've moved back to Tokyo. Okay. So I remember you from before I left for Korea. Um, but yeah, you, we've we've really bonded and you know, formed right. our yeah, kindled our friendship. Yeah, our since, families uh, know each other now. Twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. right? We've mm-hmm. ate donuts together. We've bur- yep. We marched in solidarity together that we have. in the rain. 
You know what I mean? So so I feel I, I consider you a good friend of mine now. Thank and you. Uh, I would trust you with my credit card. You I know what I mean? That, that. that To me, that's like really what it comes down to. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like either credit card or like dick pics. Oh, like well, if, okay. You know what I mean? Because if he has access to them. Yeah. No, don't you know worry. I, mean? I have not shared any I don't of the think dick pics you, you have sent me. They stay in my phone uh-huh. and that's it. So. You know, it used to be, I was calling it no dap season because we weren't given daps. But the last two episodes of the podcast, I've talked a lot about dick pics. So I think that maybe uh-huh. we're coming out of no dap season and maybe into like dick pic season. I, I wasn't ready for that. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, shit. But uh, w- one of the reasons I think that our friendship kind of uh, flourished so quickly is because you you come from the same ilk. You're an old underground hip hop head. Oh, and we're, we're pretty close in age, I think. So mm-hmm. that like generationally, we kind of probably were in the same circles around the same type of artists and, right. and appreciating that shit, right? Yeah, in different places, but going through the same experiences, I'm sure. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, man? Like, where you come from? Yeah, so, um, again, uh, my name is uh, Rory. Uh, most people in Tokyo that know me from my music side know me as DJ Tag. People that know me as my work side know me as Lieutenant Colonel Tibbles from the United States Air Force. Uh, fun fact, I'm also an active duty uh, service member uh, serving here in Tokyo doing international affairs. But my real passion, obviously, is music. That's what keeps me motivated, keeps me going. And that really started uh, from a very early age. I was born in Houston, Texas. Lived oh. there for the first eight or nine years of my life uh, until my mom joined the Air Force and c- kind of moved on, moved us on. Uh, but when I was young, it was just me and my mom, a single mother in Houston. And, sh- you know, she devoted everything to me. And followed my interest in music. And somehow I, I got into Michael Jackson when I was very young. Mm. And she supported that. You know, I think when I was six or seven years old, like she drove us all the way to Dallas wow. just so we could see like the Jackson 5 uh, victory tour. Wow. Um, oh, shit. So, yeah, she, she really did a lot to kindle that. Uh, anyways, fast forward a little bit. She, she joins the Air Force. We start moving around the world um, initially to uh, Michigan. Lived there for like three years. Uh, listened to a lot of heavy metal during that time, actually. Um, in Houston, you know, the Michael Jackson had grown into a little bit of hip hop. Like, I, really, other than like the DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, I don't have recollections of like a lot of like specific groups. You know, a lot of folks my age will try to be like, yo, back then it was all about Cold Crush Brothers and Word. Furious Five. And I, sure, I, I can name Word. all those things, but I can't act like I was eight years old listening sure. to that shit. I did have a cool, uh, like, break, how to break dance. Uh, album with, <laughs> okay. you know a bunch of songs that had those artists but anyways uh bottom line uh, so i, I kind of had that that route or whatever when i was 12 years old um my family uh, by then she had met my stepdad who i totally see as my dad he's super cool or whatever we all moved here to tokyo japan living uh, over on the west side at yokota air base and i lived there from 12 to 17 and that oh, is sure. That is where I really, really grew into hip hop. Um, okay. The the school just the military community is very, very diverse, um, and they've I won't say they've got everything figured out, but they've they've figured out you know kind of how to live amongst each other. So I jumped into a school that was you know a pretty even split of black, Asian, brown, white kids, just all kind of mingling together. And for whatever reason, I popped out just really liking the 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 hip hop side of things. Sure. Um, so. You know, go through a couple years, you know, we hit the point like every Tuesday, take the trains into uh, Hachioji to Tower Records to mm. pick up, you know, whatever new albums were coming out. Friday nights hit Shibuya. You know, at, at that time, Manhattan Records was still kind of new. So, you know, we would be there, 
Um, what year did you graduate uh, high school? I ended up graduating high school in 1996. So, oh, okay, so you're a couple years uh, right. older than me. Yeah, then. so I fell in love with, with hip-hop over here. Um, started rapping over here, actually. And a little bit of like making beats, but never really mm. DJing uh, during that time. Um, then my senior year, we got transferred and actually moved to Stavanger, Norway. It's a oh, small shit. town on the, the west coast of Norway. Actually, wow. super cool. Um, great graffiti uh, right. town and, and, and all that. So kind of kept up the love for hip hop there. Ended up going to boarding school in England. So it was okay. Was going into like Cambridge and London. And that's why I started buying some of my first records hmm. uh, back then. A lot of the artists, you know, they would release a 12-inch, but you could, you know, only get the exclusive song if you had mm. the B-side. So right, right, right. Would, would search for those. Right. Um, and so that's kind of like, you know, how the, the love for hip-hop uh, started. And then as far as DJing, um, after high school, I moved to Seattle uh, to link up with a few other friends, um, basically to rap. The, the plan was just to go there and uh, make rap music because some of my other rap music buddies were living there. Um, but it, there was a time I had a, uh, a roommate who was a um, techno music DJ on that, that whole scene, the rave scene there. So there were turntables in the house. I had a few records that I had kind of picked up just from, you know, not to DJ, but to listen to. I was like, oh, let me try this like DJ mixing thing or whatever. Mm. And boom, was hooked from, was from the start. And so okay. from that point on, I have been DJ tag. Okay, bet. Um. Can I have you come a little bit closer to the mic sure. uh, when, when you speak? Uh, I'm hearing, uh, I don't have a anything hang up, so I'm hearing reverb ah, of okay. your voice bouncing. So if you get mm. choke up on it more, we'll do. I hear less of it. Uh, I'll cut all this out. By yeah, the no way. worries. But okay, so like, um, man, so you and I kind of share a, a few similarities. I was also a military kid. Okay. Right, but for me, I grew up in, like, my, my, my father was uh, Sergeant Major of the base of Camp Pendleton. And so I was in Oceanside, California, up until I was about uh, 11 years old. All right. Then, uh, you know, my mom remarried. I moved uh, I moved with my mom and my stepdad to 29 Palms mm -hmm. until I was like 14, 15, and then off to Hawaii. And so, like, uh, I, I kind of came of age in Hawaii. Okay. And that's why I was kind of formative uh, to my relationship of hip-hop. And so, like, that whole... Uh, you, you mentioned when you went to Hawaii, I was like, oh, I, I remember all those cats. Like, right. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, and we have yeah. some of those same links because right. some of those folks from Hawaii in the military community had previously been here in Japan and vice versa. Yeah, a lot of those a lot of those guys know each other from, you know, the, the, well, that's one of the things that I think is the dopest thing about the kind of underground independent rap mm. community is that even though uh, a lot of us never became much of anything in, in terms of being world known the relationships in there it's like mm. uh, i you know you got tracks from guys it's like new jersey and that whole underground scene right. you all just mm. kind of touch each other so i imagine that there's even more like uh you know that kevin bacon thing like i know somebody that knows somebody that's like done a track with somebody you did a track oh, with absolutely and things and right. that's kind of the, the really kind of dope thing about independent uh rap music but you, you're also a little older than me, so your experience with it is uh, different than mine. I like to think, well, I think I might be accurate when I say that I was of the last generation of like four element hip hop music because right. the, I was, you know, 97 after the Telecommunications Act kind of changed all the media. It definitely changed the radio. And then so people who were able to be fans of rap music by just purely listening to the radio and to, 
you know, uh, BET watching movies right. and videos like that all kind of changed that that keep it real hip hop kind of had to go underground. Right, and that right. was like the last like I was kind of in that, you know, I was in high school right as that happened. And I remember watching Company Flow and then three videos later, it was like Master P. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, that whole four element hip hop shit is just so far gone now yeah i mean it, 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 you're right it, it lived on for for a while but yeah, i mean yeah. once clear channel viacom took everything you, it was like if you didn't have a college radio right. station you exactly you really had to work and and like the idea of the backpacker kind of came to rise right and back when the way i understood it back then it was like a backpacker to me like we were b-boys like you know like right. that was just like a term even if you didn't break like we had our backpacks Full of your peace book, your fucking you, your spray cans, your your fucking uh, your black book for writing rhymes, right. your helmet for doing head spins. Like we carry backpacks because we always had to have our music on us and shit like that. Mm. But for me, a backpacker, like the idea of the backpacker later, like I want to say around like 2002, 2003, it became like this fixed idea of like a fan of like keep it real hip-hop right a person that was a fan of it that did not have to participate in the culture we are still of that participatory hip-hop culture where in order to be hip-hop mm. you were doing something that was hip-hop before the just a fan yeah you had to you know participate in at least one element right i mean it's like that's the only reason you really want to be around like right. it, it was like an infectious thing like you go you go out to a function and the homies might be breaking, but then you see like the other homie, the way he writes his phone number is like, yo, what, what is up with your handwriting? It's like, you can do like graffiti handwriting. Right. And then you just try your best to kind of assimilate, like jump into that subculture and you find that you just do everything. Like we were right. all kind of like, the only reason I didn't start DJing until so late in life is because I have no fucking money for turntables. <laughs> everything else is like fucking free, even graffiti. Like, it used to be the the ethics were like go steal your shit for writing graffiti. Yeah, if you didn't steal your your spray your paint, fucking what was the toy. Point, right? Yeah, so so like all the shit that I did was like you know the free hip hop culture type of stuff. Yeah, it's weird. No doubt. Yo, Cass, know. did you ever take part in any other elements besides DJing? I started with a dancing basically. So uh, okay, it was like you guys were saying that the um, DJing is the only thing that could be the only thing that costs quite a lot like you need to save money to buy all these equipment and stuff so um easy start which could be the rhyming dancing and well graffiti tagging is is not really i'm, I'm not from tokyo uh, so right. back in like in the mid 90s in my hometown nobody was doing the graffiti and rhyming rapping it was it was pretty difficult to do for that japanese sure. you know era but um dance was like yeah, like um, that's how I knew the elite force the other the word of the Brooklyn Terry is. Sure. So then I was working like a lot as like a waiter at the restaurants, and then saved up the money, and then bought turntables and did, like super basic mixer and word. Yeah, yeah. Y you remember you used to be able to buy like those new mark like beginner DJ packages for like oh yeah three hundred dollars, the little like know? Gemini that you, you right. know was yeah. belt drive like belt you couldn't drive. even yeah you but would buy it thinking you're gonna jump on you know do all this crazy yeah. stuff and right. it'd be like blue yeah. and orange or some seeing, shit. They look some like friends with those machines. I mean, but it, it, what's funny though, like kind of as we're talking about that, right? 
we're like we all kind of consider ourselves DJs, but none of us started out. And you're right. I think it's because of the money thing. Like none of us started yeah. as yeah. DJs, right? I mean, I guess nowadays you you can kind of do that, right? Right. right. But I think that maybe the easiest thing to participate in in in, in hip hop culture now is maybe production, beat making, because right. you can mm. download a program. And not communicate with anybody outside of your bedroom mm-hmm. and just start learning how to make beats. Right. You know, it's a really kind of like an isolated, like an isolationist type of thing. And yeah. of course, you can reach mm-hmm. out and, and make friends and right. give beats to people. But yeah, back in the day, it's like anything that you wanted to do, you kind of. Like, yeah, because beat making, you, that was the other one that was super expensive, right? right you yep. had to be able to afford a sampler, yep. a four yeah. track. I mean, yeah, probably not as expensive as two 1200s, yeah. but. Mm. I didn't see a some, piece some of music there. equipment for making beats like a sampler or an MPC until I was out of high school. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was 2001. You know, like the guys that I know that were making music is like they lived on the other side of town. I just never got over there. Right. And because we were just into like, oh, let's cipher in the fucking park. Like nobody mm, really right. thought of. Uh, turning uh, our our raps into product, so to right. speak, you know, it's a weird thing. And you, you, the first element that you got into was DJing, or you no, were rapping, no, I was right? I was rapping first. So this is what's fascinating. So to going me. back, yeah, like when I was like a little kid, like my favorite stuff to read was like really rhythmic poetry, um, like not really of of much content other than silly stuff. Like mm. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Jack Prolutsky. But like this dude was my favorite poet. He had this book called New Kid on the Block. Uh, my aunt had got signed for me at some bookstore. Never heard of it, but I just really got into the poetry. It's all like super rhythmic, silly stuff. Um, I have an example. So there's a there's a poem about a cactus or a cactus, and it's called "You Need to Have an Iron Rear to Sit Upon a Cactus, or Otherwise At Least a Year of Very Painful Practice." Oh, right. Silly stuff about cactuses being Bars. sharp, but. I mean, perfect, perfect rhythm, perfect bars. Yeah, right. And what's funny, and, and that, and I guess to to some extent, Shel Silverstein was another kind of similar rapper who I know, or rapper, poet, yeah, who I know Kaz has like an immense respect for. That's the uh, um, the money, the money, the giving tree, the giving tree, right, right. Okay. right. Yeah. So he he and Jack Paletsky both kind of wrote a, a lot of that kind of poetry. Um, Shel Silverstein, yeah, he did a little bit more deep stuff mm. later on, but. Anyways, what was funny is when I started like really getting into rapping, you know, probably like 14 or 15, my raps t- to this day, and you can go back and listen to, I mean, everything up through really like my mid 20s, late 20s was along with DJing, MCing. But all of my MCing was pretty much nonsensical, rapping about rapping, silly stuff, but with super rhythm. And that's really all rooted right. in this one book by Jack Perletsky called New Kid on the Block. Huh. Mm. So you got like, you learn how to count syllables exactly. uh, pretty early? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. I don't think that, I think that I got into poetry, uh, like I was always reading, but you know, poetry is a different animal. Mm. I got into poetry after I already started rapping when I kind of realized that like, oh, you, it, it, was, it was a point in my life where I was like, I realized like, oh, if you rap, you can really just do mm. anything you want. For a while, I had like this idea that like, oh, to rap, you have to do like one of three styles. And right, those three right. styles were like, either you make it like a East Coast rap style it's got to focus on like these punchlines, metaphors, mm-hmm. and things, or you have a more kind of uh, West Coast 
uh, storytelling kind of mm. different a uh, swagger to it, right? Right. And then, of course, you know, there's everything in between. But I, I didn't really start realizing that people could talk about and send like structure sentences any way they wanted until probably like my second to last year of high school, mm. when I really started to take notice of like what how weird it was that you got rapped, and then I found out about all the kind of independent underground West right. Coast shit. You know, I, 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 I just thought like, OK, well, you know, um, fucking Dr. Octagon's allowed to be weird, but that's uh, like a, an outlier. Like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do that. He's allowed to. But the freedom of it came after reading um, the beat poets. And, right. And like you just saw in my living room, I still got a Gregory Corso book just hanging around. Oh, yeah. And How cool like, is it? Your daughter like brought that right to me. That yeah, was so cool. And, you know, she can't read it for shit. But I mean, one of these days, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I um. I, I get excited when somebody comes from our kind of dimension of rap music, but it, it's also a curious thing how uh, how differently people approach it. And I was thinking mm. a lot about, um, and, and I did before I even knew that you were a couple years old, like that many years. Like you, you've you graduated, old, f- but you got five <laughs> years. You got five, five years, years on you, right? On okay. me from graduating high school. Mm-hmm. That is like two generation in that era like yeah it really felt like that right right oh. and so like e- the like late coming you know a couple, four years after me graduating high school his whole experience with hip-hop culture is hella different and mm-hmm. even ours is probably substantially different too just because the kind of uh the ethos it was, was evolving out. so fast right. at that time and in, in all kinds of different directions yeah. mm-hmm. so when you were in high school like and 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 Kaz, feel free to jump in any yeah, yeah. time. You know, like it's more, it's not an interview as much as it is a conversation. Right. I like to think, but mm. like when you were in high school, um, who were some of your influences? Like what what uh, what type of hip hop were you listening to at the time? So when I when I showed up to Yokota Air Base, the the New Jack Swing was like running things. I remember going to like the first fall homecoming dance, and I mean, Bell Biv DeVoe, Teddy Riley, you know, all that playing and you know really enjoyed those rhythms and then kind of over time um so that was like kind of 90 91 mm. 92 with uh, the, the la riots and kind yeah. of everything leading up to that right. the the west coast like gangster mm. um scene really started to flow through uh and so got really into that um learned a lot you know by by listening to to all of that and then move on to like 94 uh, a friend of mine um moved to yakota from hawaii and he was really into, you know, a little bit more of like, you know, not having to be gangsta, but still down with that side. And he showed me this guy called uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Okay, and, peace and, to God. You know, that's it's from, it was from over then from on. Then. Yeah, it was over. I was I was like a high row, you know, underground head after that. But at the same time, um, I, I think one cool thing about being overseas and watching everything from the the states, it, it's a little different now because you've got the internet, so you have access to everything. Mm-hmm. But but at that time. Right. If you lived in New York, you were, you know, other than what you heard on the radio, you were going to be immersed in everything New York or L.A., everything L.A. But over there, I mean, we had friends from all over the country. You know, folks would go back home to the States. And like if you went back to the States for the summer, like it was a rule that you had to like, you know, come back with at least two VHS tapes of like videos from the box. And those tapes Mm -hmm, would get mm -hmm. passed all around. And so it's funny. I mean, you, we we weren't like in you know East Coast or, or West Coast influenced right. community. We we just we had all of this rap music, and so as much as I got into like Hyro and Souls of Mischief at the same time, was as into anything that the Bootcamp Click was mm. putting out. 
um, in, in all that. But yeah, I, I guess in summary, kind of three phases, like New Jack Swing, Gangster Rap, and then Underground, and then I graduated the funky homo sapien. I, I, I contend that he is, uh, when it comes to the 90s, mm. top five West Coast MC, I think. I think that that statement can be made. Mm. You know, there's a couple guys in there. I mean, of course, you're going to put Cube. You're going to put Snoop in. But Dell's got like five albums in the 90s. All like maybe more than that. I would say top five influential West Coast MCs. I don't know if I would put him in the top five of MCs, though. You're talking about like sense. like object like his talent as a rapper? Right, yeah. Just looking okay. ob- objectively. Yes. Yeah, so, so the movement that, that he started by putting on his, his high row crew, obviously that completely changed mm-hmm. hip hop, set a, a whole other course. Uh, I shouldn't say it changed hip hop. It contributed sure. to hip hop history, mm. um, and that is absolutely all due due to him. So most influential, um, it, it, I mean lyrically, yeah, he's right. he's a very good rapper. It, it, well, okay, but maybe like this is but the I thing. See what you're this is the here. thing about the conversations, right? Because like it's such a loaded thing to say, right? The top mm. five, like what am I saying? Am I saying objective? Is it talent? Is it like career? Is it like mm-hmm. some type of? Uh, checklist that need to be oh, met before yeah. before you can make the decision and, and you have to recognize yeah. your own biases right? right i mean he was very well known for his nose ring you have a nose ring so clearly that's going to influence you know the reason that i have a nose ring is probably because no kidding probably because oh. of dell yeah i saw him in the catch a bad one video and i was like i want to be that person okay <laughs> like like if i uh, like if i could if if i was going to be a person and i was like like an anime it's like the Riz is on one side, Dell's on the other side, and they did the fusion dance. And when they come together, mm. there's like a five foot nine mega <laughs> in the middle of that shit. So, but but you know he's got he's got five he's got five incredible albums, oh, yeah. including n- not including uh, or maybe including the Hyro joint, and then he ends the decade with Deltron. So right. I just figure right. like you know Snoop doesn't have five good albums in the nineties. No, mm. to, you know uh, Too Short doesn't. Yeah, you know, what I mean, Cube has like three, and then it's mm-hmm. he's got a questionable, sprinkled in controversies there right. mm-hmm. in terms of you know stealing from people, being kind of a buster about it. But uh, I really the my main reason for saying that consistently when somebody brings up Dell is because I just want to give the man some more flowers than he gets, and oh, his absolutely. career kind of fell off a little bit hard mm. in, in the last two decades i haven't liked much even though the new joint he came out with last year or the year before with who's the guy from zion i amp live right right it, and that's good mm-hmm. but you know it's like fucking yeah. Dell. So. he had a good cameo in mid 90s which <laughs> is a terrible movie but it was great to see dell in I, it i thought i was gonna like mid 90s more than i did i like seeing dell in there but i didn't like seeing him as a bass head yeah, he kind of was a bass head, like kind of. He he, di- he didn't have bass head qualities, but he had a bass head outfit. Right. Yeah. Did you see that movie, Cass? No. Mid nineties. Okay, it? you should a, watch it. It's a it's like a nostalgic coming of age tale about some kids skateboarding yeah. in, okay. in the nineties. The yeah, uh, directed by Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. Uh, so the, Hill. the the story is terrible, but the 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 visual. Uh, representation of the '90s is perfect. It reminded wow, okay. me a lot of my yeah. of, of my childhood, and, and the it, 90s yeah, and, and that was me too. So I guess yeah. the other piece that I didn't add because we've only been talking right. about music was skateboarding was the other part of my life too. for uh, for years and years. Um, and and yeah, really, you know, some of the deep love after I was introduced to Hyro and, and seeing who could be the most underground was like the the Plan B skate videos yeah. that would come out, like watching those, and you know, every skater a lot of would people. try to like show like you know how more underground they were, and yeah, yeah. it introduced a lot of. Uh, it, a, a lot of good music to um there to the were scene. there was like a um 
uh, well, you know, both of them were, were subcultures at the time, right. growing mm-hmm. into, uh, you know, mass culture, popular culture. But within that subculture, man, there was a lot of connection. I remember the old B-Boy tapes in Southern California, uh, the Freestyle Session tapes. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, Cross One is still doing those events. And one of the guys that used to do a lot of the video work for and the video editing was this guy named Brian Bell. And Brian Bell was an aggressive rollerblader, uh, a fruit booter, as a skateboarder would say back in the in the 90s, right? And so at the end of these freestyle session tapes, usually you'd have a section that was like aggressive rollerblading. And I noticed in Southern California amongst even my cousins and, 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 uh, and me, especially on the Filipino side, there was a lot of crossover. B-boys tended to aggressive rollerblade. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Southern California. Didn't realize that. Yeah. But, but, you know, like uh, the type of problems that we would have with skateboarders were sometimes resolved by the common ground of us both knowing that J-Treads verse off of fucking company flow. Right. And so that kind of brought us together to a Mm. degree. You know, there was a couple fights here and there, but it was was underground. In the end, so rollerbladers, yeah, I remember that tension. But I always gave them credit because they could wax a curb better than <laughs> any of my skateboard yeah. friends. And so if you showed up to a spot, break. if you showed up to a spot after the rollerbladers were there, boom, you knew you could slide, grind. I mean, as far you as you had could to be use there. the wow. uh, the fucking uh, the Mexican uh, the Catholic the Catholic candles, right? Like the the, the, right. the Virgin Mary candle. You break that thing open. The the candle wax is like oily. So you, man, it'd be it'd be oily all summer. Yeah. So props yeah. to rollerbladers for that. Yeah. You know, looking back on it now, it's so fucking absurd. But even in even like living through that and and the kind of adversity faced uh, from skateboarders, I eventually skated and BMX too. But um, I look at these kids on the scooters, like on the half pipes and shit, right. and I'm oh. like, fucking nerd, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fucking nerd. And uh, you know, that's the type of shit that the skate the older skateboarders would try to give to us. And right. Sometimes you get hit with some skateboards. Yeah. Sometimes you have to stomp a skateboard. But they would still uh. slide your curbs. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, uh, subculture is weird like that. Yeah. We're so protectionist of it. So, yeah, so there's that. And that, that kind of basically sums up the, the 90s for me anyways. Huh. Um, um, when you were making your, most of your rap music, where were you at? Because you, you've got a track um, with uh, Genelik in Memphis Reigns. Right. And they have like Scorpion Circles. Scorpion Circles, yeah. It's like a underground classic, I think. is uh, we, we should be able to say that, right? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, it, it's, it's always a good sign when you mention that album to somebody. And, and they know. Yeah, and they it's, know. It's like one of those albums. It's like, oh, okay, you, we're, we're of the same right. tribe. Mm. Yeah. Almost. You know, it, it really is kind of like, you were talking about, oh, you have to bring back a VHS. We were tape trading, like yeah. like cassette oh, tape that trading. Well, right? And that's how that's how I got a lot of that shit. You know, like you'd get a track and be like, who the fuck is this? And, you know, you try to make out your homie's handwriting. And sometimes it was wrong. Sometimes you're counting wrong. Mm. So you like for the longest time, I never said uh, Genelik. I said Genelik. Oh, right. Yeah, because I just never fucking knew. Yeah, you know, right. like. I guess I didn't hear no, enough. He, started, he had a General Electric microphone. Was his first uh, mic. So okay. Genelec. So you guys were homies. Were you guys so, living near so each other? So me and actually, it just comes back to the military community. So when I was living at Yakota doing all of my stuff, Memphis Reigns was at I think that I think it was at the Navy base at Yokosuka, um, not far. And so we knew a lot of the same people. They had their scene there. We had ours, um, but I didn't really know about him uh, at all. Anyways, fast forward a couple years uh, later, um, back in the States, I think at the time I was living in Albuquerque, I had just enlisted in the Air Force. And yeah, one of my homies like has a like underground CD, Genelec and Memphis Reigns. And, and they had like, you know, it was 
that you know clearly homemade or whatever but they had some liner notes and i saw some names that i recognized in there mm. and i'm like well i think we know some of the same people so i sent an email like he had the email and so i sent an email like hey i think we know some of the same folks like do you have any relation to japan um you know because i used to live out there and memphis reigns wrote back like tag and t is that you oh shit and so as it turns out, like a lot of our tapes, the, the, the way tapes circulate or whatever, like you said, a lot of our tapes we were making at Yakota had made their way over to Yokosuka. Wow. And so this cat actually, you know, knew some of my rhymes or whatever, but that was when what? we first met. And so um, so that track that, that, that you heard, we did a little um, kind of project. I spent a weekend in Santa Cruz um, after getting out of the Air Force to... to go to college for the air force i had a little break so i just went and hung out in cali for a couple weeks and i spent a weekend with them in santa cruz where we recorded like three or four sure. tracks okay um but yeah no he's still my man he actually ended up going in uh, memphis reigns ended up going into the army as well and lives in hawaii now no shit yeah that's really interesting man like it, he's one of those names that you kind of just don't ever know what happened to him mm -hmm. and like that list is kind of like endless right you know one of my one of my wishes that I would probably use if I was like, if I had like a genie that was not like one of those mm -hmm. genies that fucks your life up with their, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. with, with your wishes, like, you know, you wish to be like taller and they make right. you, like a mountain. But <laughs> like, I would wish for like to get back all the things that I lost because mm -hmm. there's just a, such a, um, a bunch of fucking CDRs and cassette yeah, tapes of right. songs mm -hmm. that like they, they kind of ring in my ear like some tinnitus or mm -hmm. some shit and, and you can't ever really remember it, but it's there. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. some of those guys. So, yeah. And so we went down a tangent, but like to like to your initial question, like most of the time, like I was pretty much purely into like rapping. I mean, doing like lots of it from 1994 until about 2004, 2005. Um, just kind of the, the 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 thing started turning a little bit more. I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, making some amazing um, rap songs. But my DJing, so I started getting good at DJing. That I by that point I had my tables for about three years. Was kind of figuring out what I'm doing. So I started getting more gigs, and obviously was making a little bit more money doing that. And so the rapping kind of, you know, took a. T took a little turn. I mean, I still sure. enjoy like a freestyle from time to time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, for like hardcore as a, as a, a solo dude, um, when I lived over here, like my first rap group, we were called Phonetics. And then we turned into a group called The Individuals, um, oh. did some solo stuff for uh, for a couple years in Albuquerque, had a, a, a group of two of us called Skillcrafted, did shows mm. all around New Mexico um, and a couple little like Southwest tours. Mm. And things of that nature, but yeah, I mean, I have tapes and tapes and mini discs and wow. CDs wow. Mini of. Discs. It's yeah. up to you. You manage to hold on to that. Like my brother, uh, my brother Sod and I, like we were we were making music all the time, and we would record our shit onto like you know the mini disc or mini uh, BR uh, eight sixty four, mm. like the uh, I Omega zip drive hundred megabyte disc and oh, shit. Oh, zip drive. And, you know, <laughs> like you said, I have to have one of those for an MPC, easy. Yeah. And like um, all, all that shit is just kind of lost, like tears in the rain and shit. Right. You know, it's just mm. fucking gone. And uh, I don't mind because none of it was like particularly great. But you know, it's like it's one of those things. It's yeah, the, nostalgia purposes, like, right? You hear something yeah. like, "Oh man, I've made that track." Right? How yeah. silly did I sound? But right. it's still, some of that shit was good. dope, though. Like some mm -hmm. of that shit, I think it, it still sits like in heaven's unchangeable heart. Like that shit is just fucking ill. Mm. And I, I was talking to uh, the homie Polly Rhymes. You guys know Polly? He's a name, of, but 
He's out in um, Honda. He actually performed at uh, the breakdown once. I think he's homies with Chase or Adam. Okay. But he 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 raps, right? And he's out in Honda, and he comes back every once in a while. Uh, Layden, I had him on the podcast over the phone a few weeks ago. Excuse me. And he's also of our tribe, like underground hip-hop cat. Mm-hmm. Like, he's from, I think he's from, like, uh, Ohio. So he was working with, like, Blueprint mm-hmm. and Illogic and, like, that whole kind of um group of guys right okay. and so he comes from that shit organizing rapping yeah. and doing his damn thing it's funny my, my my first gig i got djing in albuquerque after i'd gotten kind of good was actually opening for blueprints shout out to the guy he came through his tour yeah he was great shout he was to the super guy. cool i mean he's been doing it for so long and he's you know honed in his craft mm-hmm. and just got really dope at the shit the the last guest that we had on um two weeks ago well, last guest two weeks ago we had uh, the homie foundation on Right. I don't know if you met him. Oh, actually, he was he was wearing the other Run the Jewels shirt at right. the Black okay. Lives Matter mm-hmm. march, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, his new album is all beats produced by Blueprint. So too cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, we, yeah, we were talking about yeah. that after the, the yeah. event. So, but but you know, shout out to Blueprint. And um, what I was getting at is that uh, I find and and one of the like uh, Lady A. One day we, I was sharing a moment with you, and I was so mm-hmm. happy that we we're on the same page about like certain rap albums. And she's like, "Well, what do you think about the Cold Vein?" And I went on a little bit of a rant about how much I loved the album, and you were like, "Yo, I don't like it. Like, uh, it's, it's not, it's not unlistenable." I, 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 yeah, what well, you were just saying, right. like you didn't really care for mm-hmm. it, right? And and um, it got me thinking. Like, I, I know a lot of cats from our era in hip hop mm-hmm. who. Uh, at the time, they were against the kind of, you know, popular uh, music based upon, like, misogyny and going to the right, club right. And, and having things. We were ostensibly against that type of shit. And we're all about, like, underground art rap, like, you know, artists making music mm. that was authentic, not about these type mm-hmm. of things. So many people look back at that era as they're older like us now. Right. And they don't view the music as being very good. And in fact, oftentimes they prefer the music that we were ostensibly against. Right? Are you oh, yeah. on that page? Uh, Absolutely. Really? Yeah, I didn't. Um, the, the DJ Premier produced songs aside, like I, I wasn't really feeling like Biggie Smalls, like when when he came out. And now, I mean, anything Bad Boy, I, like sure. they were the the symbol of you know huge goofy outfits everything in their wrong videos, everything wrong and. I love it. I love it all so much now. And, you know, not a lot of regrets in life, but I'm like, man, I should have been more open-minded than I would have had a good time. Not that I wouldn't have also loved the, the stuff that I, you know, did love, but should have had a more open mind. But I guess it's a lesson you learn. And now I, I especially getting older, I always keep a very open mind about any new music that I hear. Um, partly for that reason, you know, I, I hated on it just because I thought I was supposed to. Now the difference is, right, you're older, so you're supposed to hate new music, right? It's not as good right. as the stuff I listen to. Sure. And that's not true. I mean, music that comes right. out today, it's it's not made for me. The right. people that it is made for, they're going to develop the, the, the same memories to, you know, anything that comes out today right. that I developed to Boot Camp, mm. Click, or mm. Souls of Mischief, or you name it, in the 90s. See, I, I, I don't feel the same way. You know, I, I mean... I, I I can recognize now that me hating on what Master P was doing was uh, ultimately not useful at all. What he did as like a 
an independent fucking music mogul and making money and and getting people rich like snoop dogs like i didn't start making money until i got with master p right. i was fiercely right. against that but you know looking back at it i can appreciate that about master p and i can appreciate certain things about puff daddy even though there's like a history of exploitation that comes with the music industry that's mm-hmm. inherently kind of nasty mm. But like the music that I appreciated back then, a lot of it to me, it aged really well. And I think that I think that uh, a major thing about it is that it wasn't so much the keep it real hip hoppers. It wasn't like rap has a sound like this. Mm. A lot of it had to do with the philosophy that was kind of the undertone of that music. Right. Right. And a lot of it, starting back at like EPMD and that those transitional years in the early 90s when we were rallying against house hop and manufactured hip hop music, mm-hmm. that all that shit kind of culminates in a huge middle finger from LP and Fun Crusher Plus and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, choruses from Dr. Octagon. Right, Any rapper right. on a label should be trying to quit. Mm-hmm. And that kind of anti-capitalist approach to hip-hop culture and commodification of a subculture is a through line that I, like, it's all that music still speaks to me. What didn't age well is the shit that the purists, the old heads hate on. Like, like they, they're, they're like, oh, rap has to be this style of rap with this style right. of boom-bap shit, boom mm. shit, and it has to be, like, rapping about rapping. Or mm-hmm. rapping about how dope you are. Like to yeah. me, I didn't have a, a love that's for that as much. That's what I rapped about. Well, but see, I get that's, it. that's, that's, I get a, it. that's <laughs> the difference, right? Maybe that's the difference because I go back and I listen to like Micah Nine mm-hmm. and the shit he's saying just it still resonates with right. me. Mm-hmm. The kind of like anti neoliberal politics that bus drivers talking mm-hmm. about still absolutely works for me. Right. Of course, some of it doesn't age well. Sometimes there's an f bomb in there, like mm-hmm. the one that is anti gay. That shit doesn't age well, but you know, compared to like Nelly stomping in his Air Force Ones, still <laughs> doesn't fucking speak to me, man. And I think, you know, it's also because I'm kind of a hard, I'm a fucking leftist. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a liberal. I'm like right. further to okay. I'm damn near Marxist. Right? right. And so like that should just it, it's a weird it's a weird thing. But to me, it's like a, the philosophical underpinnings of that mm. more so than the nostalgic memory of it mm. uh, to to another point. What artists do you think have aged well that we liked back then? Because Dell's still making music, Blueprint's still making music. Do you still like anybody from back then that's like was an underground type of person? Do we have that? Jeru the Damager. Mm. Is he still making I will music? Not lie, Jeru the Damager has in the last ten or fifteen years. Like I mean, yeah, everybody knows him. You know, purely his nineties Gangstar right. Foundation. Jeru the Damager, I'm not kidding, has made some amazing tracks. And like, okay. I don't follow him as deeply as I did then, but um, yeah, every now and then, like uh, when I'm weightlifting, I like to listen to like a lot of like Gangstar Foundation. Mm. Mm. And yeah, the other, it was really just um, maybe a few months ago that I kind of realized that. I remember like in like 2007, he put out an album, and I mean, I can't even say I know the name of it, but I was just like, yo, this is this is dope. Hmm. Really enjoyed it. Hmm. He he put out another one just a, a couple years back, and. He still very much has that that kind of sound. Sure. Obviously, he's working with different artists. Mm. But, I mean, he's got some amazing stuff, some conscious uh, yeah. music over amazing beats. Okay. And so, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, encourage you, like, just go check through out Google some of new J-Roo. Yeah, some some new J-Roo of the last 10, yeah, 10 a, or 15 okay. years, and you'll I, find some good music. You know, I've got an advantage on you because I kind of thought about this uh, just very quickly before um, 
before we started recording today. So, you know, I, I, I took the time to think about some artists who are out. But, like, um, fucking Master Ace has only gotten fucking better. True. Uh, you know? right, uh, fucking right. Master Ace has gotten better. Evidence, right. I think, has grown as an artist and gotten better. Yes. Uh, clearly, LP. Do, do you oh, like yeah, Run the Jewel shit? To, yeah, right. I do. Like, I do, yes. Run the Jewel shit has gotten better. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, um... I can still go back and listen to like global flotations or even like a Jedi night circle, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, some weird shit like that. That's underground and still kind of appreciate it. I threw on Scorpion tails, Scorpion, Scorpion circles. circles, Scorpion tails, Scorpion circles a couple weeks back. And I was like, this shit fucking still slaps. Like that shit is just mm. phenomenal. Right. Do we have a, can we play a song off of that shit? Yeah, absolutely. want to play a song. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, fucking while we're bullshitting. Hold on. What what's the what's the joints? What's the joints on that? I don't know. Mm. I liked uh I thought move Sun on that one was, was pretty good too. Sunwheel's dope. Let me see. Yeah, uh, play Sunwheel here first. Let me see. Sunwheel is hot. Let's see what we got here. Oh, this is not my what is there one with the elephant title or some shit? Organisms? Yeah, this was a good fucking album. Yeah, we can let this one ride. This is nice. Okay. It's a good joint, man. I mean, it's like, it's not lyrical miracle hip hop. It's just like. When did you stop rapping, man? I don't think I ever stopped. When did I stop recording rapping? Sure. I'd say the last. The last track that I recorded was probably in 2000 and maybe around 2011, 2012. Okay. Oh, you saw you stopped rapping even uh, for me. It was like 2008. Okay. Maybe. And I stopped breaking in like 2002. Right. So for a long time, I just wasn't doing much hip hop shit except mm-hmm. for fucking reading about hip-hop writing about hip-hop actually you know what i take that back uh as late as 2013 when i was in california going through japanese training to to get ready to move over here one of my old homies from my original crew just lived over in san jose so we got together and we we never finished it but we i think we did like four or five tracks as part of a Hmm. project that we were going to do at some point it never happened but at least did get a few tracks laid down there who was your favorite mc when you were like 16 18 20 one of these years just pick i don't know i'll let you who, who's your favorite mc oh, we might have asked 16. him before right? yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it it kind of hard for the japanese people i mean um you know, right, the, the people who grew up with non-english language right. environment because back in the day like obviously everything i can hear or listen to it's a sound right, right? it's so, almost an instrument and not it's almost it almost works like an instrument yeah. and not an actual like uh, like content. Uh, right. You know, I mean, like, only the good thing back then was that because of the CDs and yeah, not works the uh, the CDs. So we had um, I don't know now, but back in the day we had a Japanese editions of the CDs at the Tower Records, which quite like maybe five hundred yen extra on the the original price, but that got like the liner notes with the translation, right. the lyrics and stuff. So and sometimes exclusive Japan tracks too, yeah. ah, right? Well. So that's uh, like really educational, right? So this uh, this actual sorry to 
bring us off topic, but this joint is the Japan-only release of Radio Inactive's Pyramidia album that was done by the homie Keen Joaquin. Mm-hmm. The, the, he's out here. I th- maybe you met okay. Keen, but yeah. So you can't get that shit in the States at all. This is like only Japan. Yeah, the funny thing is like when I was in New York, I went maybe Tower Records or somewhere and I saw some like jazz records, I mean CDs, but it's re-imported from Japan. So it's a Japanese edition that has ah, kind of okay. like a, um, how do you say? It? It's like a belt on the edge of the CD case. Okay, yeah. And written in a katakana and a hiragana, right. and that was like a forty bucks or something. It's really expensive because of the the bonus tracks and remixes, ah, right? right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, ew. Cool. Thank you for buying me some time. Huh. Sixteen, <laughs> uh, probably oh. Nas. Nas. Um, Eighteen, nineteen, uh, gift of gab from Black Alicious. Um, yeah, go on from Gift there. of know, Gab. So yeah. Okay. He's a very talented individual. J Live is, is in there he somewhere as well. Shout out to J Live. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are all incredible cats. I haven't heard any new Gift of Gab for a long time. It's been a while. What is he like? The last joint I heard is like fourth dimensional rocket ships rising or going up. Right. What album was that? I don't know. Does Black Delicious still make music? It's it's been a few years since they put anything out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. Oh, like I think some of some of the Soul Sides hmm. crew still works. I know Lyrics Born mm-hmm. um, still. Uh, you know, he's he's still doing some projects and that. But yeah, Black Alicia, it's, it's been a while. I, I saw he did a track like maybe two years ago with Raw the Rugged Man and um, somebody else. They had a really dope video like mm-hmm. in the desert with cardboard helmets or some shit. But yeah. they still get it in. I don't know. I, I actually, you know, I I usually prepare a lot for episodes where I have a guest that is like, you know, mm. that, that maybe will only do the podcast once. But I had ulterior alter, motives getting Rory in here today because <laughs> when we recorded the uh, DJ Premier versus RZA breakdown that we did. Oh, I checked I, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really enjoy having that was those a lot type of, of conversations. It was long as shit, mm-hmm. but I, I like doing that. Yeah. And that's kind of like I was really happy to get you in here because now that you've been a guest on the show, I'm going to try to reach out to him often to come and be the second mic and be a and recurring guest. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, like I'm happy a guest, to a guest host, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so to speak, in different ways. I, hey, I've been the, like so. the master guest DJ for years because I mean, with my job, I, I travel a fair amount. So I mean, really, like my my relationship with Kaz was formed as being a guest DJ at right. Kaz's night, the breakdown right. for years. I, I, guest at speakeasy guest at all these places because right. it's mm. hard to like hold down my whole thing so sure. i'm happy to like transition from being a dj guest to also being a podcast guest word up mm. that's the plan that was a, that was my plan you know what i mean so and i, th- I feel like it's coming to fruition like it's going to happen now right yeah especially i'm going to start like uh, uh if the coronavirus continues on its you know current trajectory of just kind of middling you know what i mean like it's like it's not like getting worse it's not getting much better it's just kind of middling yeah then i'm just only going to be reaching out to the homies and the folks and shit so word i don't know do we do we have anything else to to really get into is there something you want to talk about yeah i just want to just kind of bring it full circle because you kind of asked about like my my start or whatever like as far as where i'm here today um a a a huge thanks goes to uh this uh guest we have here today uh kaz And his uh, breakdown crew. Yeah. So, right, I told you, you know, all of my like core hip hop memories mm-hmm. um, come from, you know, running around Tokyo as a kid. When I got into DJing, kind of like one of the like kind of visions I had of an end state is like maybe someday getting to go back 
and DJ in Shibuya because like Shibuya Word. was right. was the place or whatever, mm. and it really kind of geared everything. I mean, I, I I I made some decisions that you know probably weren't best for my military career to be able to kind of guide things and mm. become a you mm. know Pacific specialist and, and end up out here, and a lot of that was motivated by the idea that man maybe someday I might get that opportunity to. DJ in Shibuya, like I always dreamed of. Mm. And um, in California, prior to coming out here, I had linked through the internet somehow with um, DJ DNZ, Dins Chase, shout out. Uh, and he was in Cali, but kind of living in between Tokyo and, and Cali at the time, and had linked up and become part of Kaz's breakdown crew. So I get out here initially. I'm living in uh, Saitama Prefecture, kind mm. of on like the far, far outskirts, sure. um, but still connected to Tokyo. And uh, it took probably it was like close to nine months to to a year or so. But finally was able to work out a, a chance. You know, he invited me out. I think Kaz at the time you were living overseas, but I still give right. you credit because you set this whole party up that, that got me that opportunity. Hmm. And uh, he invites me out and I'm just like super nervous. I mean, I recognize it's it's not a small bar. I mean, it's right. not a huge place. It's, you know, a small little bar, but all. I had I had kind of seen you know through their Facebook following and all that this is a you know pretty core mm. you know crowd or whatever, and so twenty four May of twenty fourteen um, came out had my first opportunity to to DJ here in Tokyo mm. all thanks to uh, this party Coins Bar the breakdown that that Kaz and, and his friends started and I mean really like that's just like one of my pro- probably my like you know all time. Top High three water favorite mm. DJ moments was Word. my the first time guesting at the breakdown because it really was like living my boyhood mm. dream. Yeah, and uh, that's all thanks to this man and this crew. So I'll nah, give man, you a fist bump. Thanks for that. Same to me too. Like DJing in Shibuya, like if you grew up in Japan, like anywhere, especially in Kanto, I guess, like the area around the, the coin spa, they are you know the the area called the Udagawa area, the Manhattan Records and stuff like legendary. It's like a, it's a legendary mecca over like a hip hop, right? Right. So if you spend your like a teens and then you don't imagine like ten years later or twenty years later, like you'll be there DJing there. It's like wow, it's like a yeah, unbelievable feeling. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, I I uh, maybe not for you, Cass, because you're a Japanese guy. But for for me, you know, growing up in the states, I had like this crazy idea about what Japan was, and to kind of it's still a little bit surreal to me when I'm just sitting mm. around. And it's like, yo, I'm like dead center in Shibuya right now mm. with like a group of friends as, as like an adult yeah. man. The entire like, world knows yeah. about this place. They want yeah. to be there. And you live yeah. here. Yeah. Whenever I have like a hip hop homie come through, I'm like, yo, that's like Manhattan Records right there. Like, right. You know, like th- there's a lot of things that have happened right there that are just like, you know, most people might not know about it, but a lot of hip hop is just kind of history all the record Flourishing. all the record stores there yeah. i mean worldwide you, you're yeah. you know chief record diggers that that everybody knows about yeah. doing samples how many of them have built record have, have built tracks or, or have you know picked up records that they've searched right. for for years right in that right in that right. area where, yeah. where, where coins bar yeah. was i so mean so uh, it was never lost on me like yeah. what i was doing and, and where i was yep. djing when i played and, there and if i could give you uh, some more props Cass, uh the the breakdown was a bit of it was a bit of an institution oh yeah you know what i mean how long was it running before you guys just shut down recently like 11 12 years 12 years 12 fucking years and and like can you just imagine the sheer number of people who are visiting japan 
end up stumbling into this little downstairs oasis of like fucking hip hop culture. It's yeah. fucking amazing. It's an opportunity man. to make a plug because if you want to see all of the people that came through there over those yeah. 12 years, um, DJ uh, Putafesh uh, Adam is yeah. actually in the process of finalizing a 30-page photo book of mm. oh, the no breakdown. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be out uh, hopefully like by the end of summer. Mm. Um, but that's a super opportunity Fair. for anybody that, that's ever been through there to pick that book up. And like I, I've seen a pre- I, I don't know if you've seen a preview of it. I saw a preview of it, mm. and it's great. You're in there. Obviously. No shit. Um, that's dope. Kaz is there. Yeah, yeah it's going to be I a mean, great. It's going to be a perfect coffee table book. Just a piece of Tokyo hip hop history. I, I was just like chilling. I go downstairs and and I'm like, oh, who's the guest DJ tonight? And they're like, yo, that's Neil Armstrong. And I was like, the astronaut. <laughs> and then and then like it dawns on me, it's like the fifth fucking platoon, Neil right? Armstrong. Yep. Like the legendary, like you know, I'm black and Filipino, and so especially in the Filipino community, we we have to find our heroes and shit. So we got like Manny Pacquiao, Qbert, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And then there's like you know a few others like Lou Lou Diamond Phillips, and then there's <laughs> like fucking Neil Armstrong, you know what I mean? So that place is just such uh, an amazing part of. Uh, the entire canon of mm. hip hop in Japan and in Tokyo. Oh, so thanks, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do yeah, on the next iteration. Yeah, because it was too sudden, like <clears throat> only a month before. Wait, yeah, about a month. So it was like a last year, 2019, October. And Adam told me in maybe the early or beginning of October that they're going to close. So it's like, mm. what? I mean, 12 years, and we only had that one month. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's not a lot of time to put together a proper <laughs> yeah. fucking farewell, yeah. but but it, yeah, I mean it'll be back. The yeah. I mean the, the crew is widened a little bit, mm. so I've I've been honored as, as well as Neil is is kind of kind of joining up. So recognizing the the, the schedules and everything, mm. um, once the the new home is is available, yep, it's Our, coming back. So. I know Neil's in New York right now. Yep. Still, is Adam? I mean, uh, is Chase still in? In the bay, as far no. as I know. Okay. No, he's he's here uh, in Tokyo. He's, yeah. in Tokyo. he's yeah, in the Tokyo, Tokyo Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That motherfucker. I haven't heard from him in a couple months. I got to hit yeah. him up and shit. I haven't <laughs> seen him since he's been back. Since he's okay. Been back. I didn't well, know. I yeah. you know with the coronavirus, I just assumed that everybody was like in stasis. Right. You right. You know what I mean? Like some type of fucking like just deep sleep until we arrive <laughs> at the fucking uh, you know the outer rings of Saturn. No doubt. Word. Hey man, I love you guys, and I'm really happy to have you guys here. Uh, let's go ahead and take a fucking break, and then we'll go into part two of this shit. I'm with it. Okay. Cool. Right, Late so show episode 113. 113. 113. 113.